You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 38. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Are you a mom ready to break into the field of technology as a UX designer? Wondering how you can go from no tech experience to getting hired? The answer, demonstrate your work. That's how tech works. You don't need a degree or a fancy certificate. You just need a portfolio that shows your work. The Your Techie UX Portfolio course specializes in getting moms into tech by not only teaching you the core portfolio-ready UX skills to get hired, but also by giving you the confidence to stay focused on your goal. Join our course today at uartechie.com UX. The UX Portfolio course offers portfolio-ready assets, step-by-step UX learning, and insider tips on how UX design looks in the real world, plus a community of women to go through the program with. You'll have access to mentors, and if you sign up before July 31st, you'll receive one free month of weekly group hot seat coaching. Just go to uartechie.com slash UX. Welcome. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I think you're going to find this topic helpful. Today, we're talking about the inside secrets of UX design. And here they are. No two people design quite the same way. Wireframes are a way to enable testing because you never get it right the first time. User research is messy and it never goes exactly as you plan. If your users love using your software, you did it right. And finally, when in doubt, remove. These are the secrets we're gonna be talking about today as we go a little bit more in depth, but I wanted to give you a highlight so you understand exactly where we're going when we talk about the insider secrets for UX design. All right, number one, no two people design quite the same way. One of the things I hate is when someone makes a statement about UX as if it were an absolute certainty. There's really no certainty. There's not one way to do it right. If you listen to any experts, you're frequently going to hear that. I would like you to go to Draft New, okay? That's D-R-A-F-T dot N-U, okay? Do me that favor. Go to Draft New, and I want you to check out what Nick Disabato, I think I said that right, has his site look like. Now, if you think Nick isn't finished with his site, or maybe he is just getting started, or he started it back in the 80s, no, Nick is done with his site, and he updates it frequently, and he has a ton of traffic, and he's been in business for 14 years. I think eight years with Draft.new, but he's also consulted before then, and he says he claims his focus is UX and interaction design. And if you look at his website, you will say, and if you're not there, or you're in the car, or whatever, I'll describe it. It's just very plain, not a lot of boxes. He's definitely not using a WordPress theme. He's for sure not using Squarespace. He has some HTML, I'm sure some, maybe even some tables in there. Just very plain Jane looking website. And you might think, wait a minute, where's the design element? How can he claim this? Here's the thing. If 
everything we ever do looks exactly the same, then your users and your customers are going to be bored and they're going to be confused about your brand. Now, I know brand is a marketing word, and that can be especially for my marketing friends who come over to UX because it's the good side of marketing. There is still an aspect. You have to be on brand with your designs. There's still an aspect of marketing and UX design. You can't just ignore it and say, no, I take care of users. I don't worry about customers. <laughs> They're the same people. <laughs> They're absolutely the same people. You have to make your software or your website appealing to people so they can become customers and then you want it to be usable so that they're honestly happy to use it not just put up with it and there are lots of great ways to do that so if someone says well it doesn't look this exact certain way that doesn't mean that they're right that doesn't mean that they know something that you don't know that you think it should go one way and they think it should go other this is why in my courses i'm always so quick to say put a wireframe together before you're ready. Because I think it makes sense to really lay out a wireframe and then look at it and see, does this make sense? Does this work? I recommend the same thing when you're looking for a job. And when I do my coaching, we say, okay, what job do you want? Where do you want it? How much should it pay? What kind of environment is it? And you write it down, even if you don't know exactly, and then you look at it. And then you're like, eh, I don't really want that. The same is true when you're designing something. Sure, you can have it in your head, but until you put it down, you aren't really going to know if it makes sense. So let me give you an example of a design trend that happens and then just confuses users. So design cycles happen a little bit like this. Somebody will get a good idea, like a light and airy, okay, a light and airy design. And then everyone else copies it and then people get bored with it and also confused because they can't identify the different brands. Then someone comes up with a new idea or something creative and then everybody jumps on that bandwagon. So I just want you to be careful to say, okay, it's okay if I'm doing things a little bit differently. Of course, the whole point is, do you have a reason for that? Is there a reason that your users will appreciate this unique design that you have? and I think with Nick, with Draft.New, there is. He has clients that he works with where he wants a clean slate, I bet, for them. I bet he doesn't want his brand, what he's doing, to ever confuse what they're doing. And it won't because they're unlikely to want to copy what he's doing and look and feel. They absolutely want to copy what he's doing for customer base and for interaction design and, and getting people on the site. Okay, so that was number one, no two people design quite the same way. And I didn't really go into this, but no two people have quite the same design process either. That's why I really encourage you to go through one full UX cycle. You really have to pick one problem that you're dealing with, one problem, go all the way through the UX design process. Then you can kind of tweak it and say, okay, I'll do it this way or I'll do it that way. But if you were to try to pick from like 10 different people, their process, you'd be all over the map. I really recommend you just follow one person's process and go through it and then tweak it and change it your own way. And as I'm saying it, I'm realizing that one of my favorite professors, Dr. Lewandowski at Purdue, she actually taught us the same thing in my master's program. There's this instructional design method called the Dick and Carey model. And she's like, look, it, I'm not going to argue with you if it's the best model or not, you're new. So just follow this model and then you'll know the pieces you want to tweak and change. It was one of my favorite. She kind of did this like little video off the cuff thing. It was one of my favorite things she ever did because 
so often when we're new, we spend all this time like, well, should I do that way? Should I do? It's better to just do it from end to end. And now you're not so new. Now you have the experience from which to draw and to change things up. Okay. Number two, wireframes are a way to enable sound testing because you never get it right the first time. Oh, what? I know you're trying to get your wireframe right. I know you're trying to make it perfect. My students spend so much time trying to make their wireframes perfect. I'll send you my portfolio and I've just got this one wireframe I'm doing. Or they're trying to make it perfect. But that actually can be a lot of wasted effort. And I understand you don't want, I don't want your portfolio to look junky either. You do want to spend the time it takes to get it done, but it's not going to be perfect. Okay. I've put days and weeks into a single screen only for it to test flat and then we scrap it. Ah, what? That's so painful. But as a designer, you have to understand that is absolutely possible. So let me reiterate one of my favorite, favorite things, why we need wireframes, okay? I said that wireframes are a way to enable sound testing. Let me explain the foundational elements of wireframe. Words only are not a great way to design a software system. I know from experience. And they're also super lengthy. So creating a wireframe is a much more visual way to design it. It's much more effective to do that. And it enables rapid development, which means, which means we can test the users faster to see if they're going to like it or if it's going to work. Okay. Does that make sense? So we design our wireframes and then here's the thing. We are not the sole person looking at it. We've either got our clients. We always have our users. We have our development team. We have our product manager. We have a lot of people who are going to be looking at the wireframe and testing it and tweaking it and having commentary on it. Let's remember as the UX designer, it's your job to make sure that the voice of the user comes out. So you're not defending your designs because no, but I really like it. No, it doesn't matter if you like it. What matters is that it works for your users. And if you can defend that with research, boom, you've got it. Speaking of research, number three, user research is messy and it never goes exactly as you plan. I like to plan like 10x to reach out to 10x the people I actually think I'm going to get. So one of the things when I was new, I definitely thought like, okay, I'm going to test 10 users. So let me reach out to 10 people. Well, that doesn't work at all. If you want to test 10 users, you have to reach out to 100 people. Now, the closer you are with your audience, the better it is. So for example, I've got our Facebook group and I've got my students. And if I want to test an idea and I know people, I can say, hey, Andrea, can you help me out? And Andrea's awesome. So she'll help me out. Or I can be like, April, I'd like you to test for me. Boom, she'll do it if she doesn't have three clients. So that can help you. But if you are working inside a corporate office and your customers are calling because they're angry about something that's not going right with your software, you might not have a direct line. You probably don't have a direct line to them. So that is why creating a user testing plan makes a lot of sense. So I like to write my questions first, write the script of how I'm going to recruit people because I did client work. So you have to run those by your client. They're not going to let you talk to your customers unless you say, here's what I'm going to ask for them what to do. Here's what I'm going to ask them in the interview. So I like to write the questions and then write the recruiting script. 
and then write a plan. Where will I find my users? And sometimes they're customers that are already in your database. And if it's a new product, a Greenfield product, they're not. You've got to go find them. So are you going to Reddit or Quora or a Facebook group or a professional organization or a LinkedIn group? Or, you know, after Corona, after, is there an after Corona, after <laughs> semi-quarantine, then we might be able to physically go places too. But until then, we might just want to find them online. So you have to put that in your plan. Like, I'm going to look here and I'm going to look here and I'm going to look here. And then you're going to want to say, I looked there and I didn't find anybody, or I looked here and I didn't find anybody. And then you're going to go back and you're going to redo your script. That is what the process looks like. You're not doing it wrong. That's what it looks like. And every time you go to a new product, it takes a little bit of tweaking before you ask people the right way. I will say that there are some tips, like you can say, don't tell them it's testing. Nobody likes to be tested. That can make them feel scary. But if you say, you know, as a valued customer, we'd like your input, but keep in mind, you'll have to ask for general input from them. And you might not want that when you're doing user testing, you really want it structured and clear. But I just want you to understand, especially if you're just starting out because user research is the first step in the UX design process, it's messy. So when it's messy, don't think you're doing it wrong. That's just how it goes. And yes, you'll get better, but it will still be messy every time. Okay. The next insider tip is if your users love using your software, you did it right. Okay. If your users love it, this can be very hard because maybe it doesn't look like Amazon. If you're on a team and they're like, let's just do it like Amazon, been there. That happens. I think that happens all across America. We'll just do the one click like Amazon and then we'll have an amazing product. <laughs> and guess what? That works when you are a mass e-commerce store, a retailer that you've got every product under the sun, but that doesn't work if you're a course creator with one course. You don't just put one click and then it's done. People don't want to give you store your credit card information generally. So knowing your users, that is what will give you that insight to make it right. And if you are your target audience and people at your workplace are not, that's going to be really tricky. Like you are going to have a hard sell. Still don't come from that place of like, yeah, but this is what I would prefer. Do the research and then show them. But here's what tester number one said. Here's what usability tester number two said, here's how the summary works. The summary of the results are, that's how you can absolutely get to that place. And then it doesn't have to look exactly the same as experts. Okay. And I'm going to go a little bit into gender stereotyping here because why here's my rationale. 20% of tech positions are held by women. 20%. So what do you think that means when it comes to the way products are designed. So any app, any software that you use, do you think they're generally designed the way that you and the audience are listening right now want it to work? I mean, come on, we've all signed our kids up for sports. It sucks. Every process just, it's horrible. Why is it? Sports people fix this. It's really painful. There are so few people who do this right. It's probably not designed for us. Does that mean men do it wrong? And if they listen to women, then everything would be okay? Yes, it does. No, it does not mean that. It means that it doesn't have to look exactly like the experts say. 
it has to work for your users. If your users love it, you're doing it right, even if it turns other people off. And here's the thing. I know it's true, but I still have to remind myself and it's still hard. You will likely offend people that are not in your target audience if you do it right. Your design will offend them. What? I mean, I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about saying mean things. I'm talking about how you didn't do it the way someone else did it in the past, or you didn't do it proven method. That's really what I want to challenge you to do because the inside secrets of UX design are all about serving your user and nothing else matters. So if you create something for your user, let's say your users are musicians and then a lawyer hates it. That's good. That's not okay. That is what you want. Sorry, lawyer musicians out there. But if you're creating legal tech software and a musician can't stand it, good. Then you're doing it right. Do you see why it's so important to talk to your users and the people you want? Because if your users love it, you're doing it right. Okay, last one, when in doubt, remove. Do I talk about this one a lot? It's funny. I think it's like a reminder, a self-reminder. But I definitely adhere to this on my Your Techie menu. I hate overcrowded menus. I think it's very offensive. But maybe there's a way in which that works. Maybe there are users out there that make it work. Not mine. I know you guys love your clean menus. When in doubt, remove. I think that the part of your design process, I would like you to consider that it, it should include a is this necessary question or a removal question. How do we remove things that aren't working for us? Because clutter happens without us really knowing or without us really paying attention to it. And so asking that question of what can I remove, what can I take away, oftentimes is the answer to a great user experience. And when you are creating something new, when you're designing a new product, you're going to have all these great ideas. So like, we're going to put this great idea in and that great idea and this great idea. And the same thing happens when you're doing a course. I want to put this in and that in. And in reality, what happens is that the better position, the better solution is when you remove, when you take away elements that are distracting your users. Okay. So I think that a really important insider tip here is when in doubt, take something away and see if that solves something that didn't test well with your users or something that's just not getting the traction you want. Can you just remove it in the format that it is or remove it from that screen or hide it under something, some other aspect? Because our lives are cluttered and I really think people are going to continue to be attracted to clean and less because there's so much, there's so much going on in every aspect. So when in doubt, remove. I'm going to review those insider secrets of UX designer quickly. Number one, no two people design quite the same way. Number two, wireframes are a way to enable sound testing because you never get it right the first time. I'm so sorry. I know that's hard. Number three, user research is messy and never goes exactly as you plan. Number four, if your users love it, you're doing it right. And number five, when in doubt, remove. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I had a ton of fun. I hope you did too. I'll see you next time. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. 
Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.